Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels, I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Garrett. And I'm David. Uh, today on the show we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the sequel. That's right folks, it's the sequel. So, to set up this sequel, um, it, I guess you could say it kind of picks up where we left off in that we didn't really leave off anywhere. No. The Guardians um, were off searching for adventure. Here yeah. we open where they have found, dis- they've discovered one. That's true. Yeah. So the first thing we get to see, though, is a little flashback of, uh, oh, who, uh, Santa Claus? Who is he? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. That's not what you should identify him as. I identify away. him of as... Of all the movies Kurt Russell's been in, you're going to go with the Santa Claus? Yes, Santa because Michaels? it is one of the movies that we have covered on this show, and oh, you can true. find it at sequels.com. What true. a great thing to do now that we're approaching the Christmas season. Oh, yeah, look at true. that. Nice little tease plug. So yeah. do not question me when I call Kurt Russell Santa Claus. Yeah, last year we I watched... Uh, <laughs> you guys watched Home Alone, the Santa Claus, I don't even remember and all the Christmas yet. Chronicles, right? All that was a skit show on Nickelodeon at with least, Keenan and Kel and Josh Serber and At least and those three. There's probably another one. I, I think there's know. a fourth one. In did you guys do Home Alone 2? No. We each, no. I think we all just picked We one. did Love Actually. Oh, we did oh, do Love yeah, Actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great Flim. Flim. There you go. Go check <laughs> great, out the... Great Flim. Great. Check out the... <laughs> of all the Flims I've ever had, yeah. Love Actually is... Yeah, to all the Flims I've loved before. <laughs> this is off the rails. Yeah, what do you expect from us? Um... So we get to see Kurt Russell uh, as Star-Lord's father. He comes into big play yeah. in this movie. The uh, Guardians are on a new mission, basically. They're collecting batteries, which is something we all do. Yep. Um, they're yeah, Trying batteries to protect are... these batteries from yeah. an evil interdimensional creature. The creatures attack them. They get stranded on a planet. And then we're set up for the whole rest of the movie, which is just like Star-Lord's dad ego trying to help fix the ship. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, one word to describe the movie, I guess. I you sh- yeah. I don't have a word. Surprise. Wordless. Speechless. Left you speechless, huh? It didn't. Do you have a word, Andrew? <laughs> Average. Ooh, shots fired. Ooh. Uh, David, do you have a word week, yet? Next Andrew will be played by. Um, <laughs> my word is heartfelt. Okay, okay, okay. Issues. Hmm. Mm. How maybe y'all maybe maybe I can uh, focus group what I want to say. Mm-hmm. I want a single word that says it's a bit much. It's a bit much. Uh, overstuffed. It's two words. At I least, don't know. I think that would be. I don't think it's a hyphenated inflated? word. What inflated? inflated? Good. <sighs> no, because I don't. Hmm. Here's my example of what's a bit much. Yeah. Baby Groot. The Groot stuff's a bit much. Yeah. Really? It's a little over the top. Mm. Is that a hyphenated word? Over the top? It's a Sylvester Stallone movie from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the sake of the argument, over the top is a hyphenated word, thus being one, and I'm going to call it that uh, just to be a little different. (laughs) I just don't get it. (laughs) I don't. I still don't get it. It, it. It is a Sylvester Stallone movie. I wasn't. I didn't make that up. Why are you explaining what I've already explained? It actually is a movie from the 80s that stars Sylvester Stallone. Okay. So I'll – yeah. So as we explain the words, I'll go ahead and say that there – I do like the movie, but there are bits where like (sighs) Baby Groot's dancing in the opening scene Mm -hmm. felt like uh, Disney Marvel just trying to like cash in on the popularity of Baby Groot's post credit scene Mm -hmm. in the first one. I was like, yeah, it's cute, but like, ah, it's yeah. a bit much, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's pretty fun. It is pretty fun, but 
This is a bit much, isn't it? I mean, the uh, it's an opening credit sequence, which you don't get often in no, movies these true. days anyway, opening credit sequences. We get, so. what, what do they play, Mr. Blue Sky? Mr. Yeah. Blue Sky. You got Groot dancing in a, sort of a, uh, a version of a one-take shot. Yeah. Uh, one flow of his uh, of the motion capture that I'm pretty sure it's James Gunn dancing in this situation. I as don't know. Baby James Gunn. Gunn does Rocket. I don't know who does Rocket. Uh, Sean Gunn Sean. does Rocket. That's what I, I think uh, I think they recorded James Gunn dancing. Mm. Could be wrong about this. Or Sean Gunn dancing, either way. Huh. And uh, he danced through the entirety of Mr. Blue Sky. They recorded that and then motion tracked it to be Groot. You have a scene going on in the background while they're fighting, and you have the and you have the the casting credits and directing and all that, yep. which is something that uh, you don't get a lot in move in in action films these days. Anyway, Marvel for the most part doesn't do opening credits the mm-hmm. same way Star Wars doesn't. Um, they usually just Wait roll right end. right into the movie. You know, like here we go, bam, here we go, and then in credits you get all that stuff. So uh, as eh, far as a a, bit much, as though, far as an opening it? credit sequence, it's not necessarily bad. No, uh, it's a bit much. It's, it's a bit you much. Know, but, you're uh, gonna be the lo- you're gonna be on an island by yourself, buddy. You know like, what? You can try to I will you die want. on this hill. You might. So you all might. right. I don't need. I don't Is need it a bit much. I'll say sure. I guess, but it's also fun. <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? Yes, I agree. It's both fun and a bit yeah. much. I mean, I don't know what else to. I don't know what else to to say about it. So I don't need Andrew to explain average. I can figure that out. Yeah. What, what did you say again? I said issues. He's got issues with the movie. Okay, no, so, no, then, no, actually, so then you need to explain what issues means. Everyone has issues in this Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Literally see, everyone true. has daddy issues, sister issues, family issues, self issues. And yeah, I do have issues with the movie. Yeah. But issues is the best way to describe it up. Okay. For me. Yeah, that's true. It is a very issue-driven movie. Yep. yep. Each character, like you said, has their own problems that yep. we kind of tackle head on. And I feel like that is adjacent to your word, heartfelt. Yeah, because uh, while that is the case, they, all these characters have issues. And we talked about how last week there was a feeling that their characters don't develop enough. You guys talked about that. and I, uh, Andrew we, talked about Andrew, that. Andrew, we all Andrew, three disagree. <laughs> Andrew talked about And we talked about how the film's a little bit more goes forward to establishing characters. And this one really kind of breaks them down and shows you who they are, what their insecurities are, and that there's kind of hidden stories there for each of them that maybe you didn't know, <clears> with <throat> the exception of maybe Drax, who doesn't really have a lot going on in this movie in terms of, uh, a, you know, like a big backstory that reveals itself. Um, you know, whether it's Star-Lord or Rocket or, or Yondu or Gamora or Nebula, everybody else has really kind of a, a formed story here that you can invest in. And... Um, and I really think that it was uh, – each of those is handled in, I think, fairly mature and at times immature ways. But uh, – Star-Lord. You, you know, <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you get some really cool development seeing what these characters' hopes and wants are and seeing how they're – when confronted with maybe everything they think they've ever wanted, how they respond to that. And, um, and then get some cool action and comedy as you would expect along the way too. Yeah, um, so I wanted, I do want to talk about Star-Lord since I coughed his name up a little bit there. Mm-hmm. What I, one part I enjoy about this movie and, and his character in it is kind of like, I guess it's a negative toward him as a character, but it's, it's done well. So we really get to see Peter Quill is kind of an idiot. What? Yeah. <laughs> No. He's really, and we really get to see how his emotions pull him a little too powerfully. Um, you know, he's like the bane of everyone's existence in Infinity War because he single handedly 
Over got everyone heads. killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and we get to see that kind of uh, behavior really s- bubble up to the top in this movie. Mm-hmm. In the way he interacts with ego, is a lot of there's a lot of stupid stuff from yeah. from him. Thoughts? Well, from the peanut gallery. I'll go Thoughts? on my. Well, I guess. Gosh, would it be better for me to put in a defense first, or what do you guys? Want to <laughs> you you haven't even you been want. attacked yet. No, well, can, I know. That's why I don't want to. I don't want to defend it, and then you guys just rip it apart afterwards. That's Here's what true. I'll say. I don't have anything to attack about it. Peter Quill, you could argue, is is a Peter Pan type character. He's a character that never grew up and never really had to grow up. He was taken away true. from, as far as he was concerned, a place he didn't necessarily want to be anyway. His mother just died. Yeah, he was gonna have to go live with his grandfather without his without his parents. So he's been raised by wolves. Wolves, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> been raised by alien wolves, by pirates, by people who, you know, uh, uh, are not the kind of people that are emotionally there for you. So he's grown into being kind of a, a man-child. Now, a fairly adept at certain skills man-child and, a you know, a guy who's smarter than he looks at times. But, yeah, he's not uh, someone who's ever had the type of family that he, deep down, seems to have always wanted. He makes a, a, a an effort when he first finds out about ego and this idea that he talks to Gamora about how all he wanted as a kid was to have a dad, was to play to ke- play catch with his dad like all his friends got to go do. All his friends got to go and play with have fun with their dads, and he just had to go home to nothing, you know, to his mom who you know was sick. So talking about a character who has a lot of vulnerability and sort of masks that by trying to be the coolest guy he can be that he can imagine trying to be the cool dad that he never had. So that plays out in a lot of different ways. And when ego is introduced into that, it really uh, messes with him to the point of like, he's kind of a jerk to his friends now because he's being presented with what he thinks he's always wanted. Yeah. Hmm. Rebuttal 30 second rebuttal. Yeah, rebuttal from average over there. What do you have to say, right. jerk? <laughs> uh, there's. <clears throat> what was that? What do you mean? I just heard some serious crinkle. Yeah, he's got some. Chris Crinkle? He got, he got oh, some stuff his, in his pocket there. His brownie wrapper. Mm-hmm. It's a classy establishment over here. <laughs> damn right. So. <laughs> what are we arguing about? Oh my <laughs> God! Did you hear anything he said? Yes, I did. Oh, were you. Like, you were like question? you were, you were Homer Simpson about... with the with the monkey and the symbols in your head, yeah. weren't you? You were thinking about drop shadows, weren't you? Yeah. What were you thinking about? You were that brown had to line up a turkey with a road, weren't you? I was thinking about spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. And if anybody out there is interested in joining the So Many Sequels podcast, I believe that we have an opening. Reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. Or it's not pod on that one, is it? I think it is. Oh. I we'll find know. us on Facebook and then you can send us a message. Yeah. We might be able to work you in. We're yeah. talking about Star Lord and his his man he's a man child in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And what do you think of his story in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys pretty you much hit it on the head. I think I agree with everything. You don't you necessarily said. even have to address anything I said. Just what is your what is your opinion of Star Lord? Because he's kind of the central character. There's a lot of main characters here. Um, what do you think about his story through this movie? His story through this movie, I think. Um, he's. <laughs> did you watch the movie? Yes, it's the I main, did. You know, it's the main story he's, of the movie, and he's really, the kid kind of who gets called on in class who wasn't reading along. Uh, 
for uh, this movie. It really drives the oh, the purpose brother. of this movie is what it's about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought take, it was really good. Take a second, Andrew. <laughs> Garrett, what is your issue with Star Lord? We'll skip him. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> care. I don't know. This listen. You don't care. I don't care about Star Lord. I've decided. Oh my goodness. I've come to the conclusion Weird. that after two movies, I genuinely don't care about Star Lord. Why are you after four movies? I like. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> mind the Guardians movie. overall. I just. I don't know. This movie really, to for me, I didn't mind it the first time I saw it, and this time it was either trying too hard to reignite the magic from the first one, whether it's trying too hard with the dance scene or trying too hard with the soundtrack, or it, it was just really trying too hard to be the first one. Or I get some of that. Or it that. was super boring for the first hour and a half. The parts where this did shine for me was when it let it be its own self and really leaned into the humanistic elements of this movie. So those issues and letting them develop. I really enjoyed the scene between Star-Lord and Gamora when they were dancing over the planet. Like That was a real humanistic element that they didn't have in the first one. So letting these people develop into those stories, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed but overall, those few shining moments were really overshadowed by it just trying too hard to reignite that magic that mm-hmm. that first one had. Instead of being something of its own. All right. And You're I, wrong. And uh, th- Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, like, in trying to, in trying to encapsulate just how much I – just what I think about this movie, I would have to say the reason why I say average is really just because it's average. There's, I mean, there's nothing really pushing anything forward here. We were kind of like when, when in the first movie, we don't know anything about his dad. And now we have this whole backstory. And my thing about Marvel movies is mm-hmm. this, is that as soon as you see a guest star like that, they're automatically the villain. Okay. Oh, that's a fair... That's fair. They're automatically the villain. So, like, Kurt Russell, great to see him in this movie, knew he was a villain from the minute I saw him. Okay. But, you know, you could blame that on almost anything. Mm-hmm. You have a main character, a new character, and then you have a sequel in which a new character is introduced. You could say that on almost any movie. That guy's going to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You could say that from the casting, Yeah, I would think. I think that's what he's saying, though. When he sees a big name like that, it's a dead giveaway. Because Dead giveaway. Because, it, but in, and it was it was a little bit of a... It was a surprise seeing Sylvester Stallone in there for two minutes, but it was nice to see Sylvester Stallone. So a minute, it for, for, oh my god! So for a second, it did kind of throw me off there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, cool beans. Yeah, cool story. Um, but no, it, it was very average. the The only thing that really like surprised me were the effects. I thought the visual effects were absolutely amazing. Surprised you? Yeah. I think they were. I think they by were this very, time in the Marvel universe, you didn't expect no, 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 special no. effects I mean, from like, Marvel. I just, I just, I was the wow factor for the visual effects were absolutely incredible. Did anybody? I thought that the de aging for Kurt Russell looked a little fake. Like mm-hmm. I think, well, it was, you know, like, I know, but like it's better over time. It yeah. does, but and <clears throat> I guess Ant Man came out after. But like Michael Douglas looked really good. It looked fine, but like if you paid too much attention to it, you could tell that it was like, you know, they put a lot of work into that, mm-hmm. and it showed. 
Well, I mean, it's about it didn't look as, bad. It's about it as good noticeable. as they can do, you know. I mean, at the, the technology. Time. Well, and we're spoiled now because it did. Yeah. It looked good at the time. Yeah. Now yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But they, I mean, and they they make a point of not putting hard like focusing on it too yeah. much. They don't. They 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 you know they only get a couple of shots uh, where that's really like fully seen and it's good enough that you go, oh wow, that's yeah. actually pretty. Because like I think there are some people that walked out and thought uh, that you know he just like shaved and they dyed his hair and wore a wig or something like that. A lot of people were fooled, and the uh, the funny, th- the interesting thing is they actually ran a database to find like a face match, like somebody who had all the right articulation points yeah. to walk through the scene. Uh, the guy who it is is uh, the main character from the movie Heavyweights. Do you guys remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little chubby kid from Heavy- Heavyweights. That dude Jerry. grew up. Yeah, that kid grew up jacked. You gotta look He's him up the guy him. whose face perfectly matched Kurt Russell's enough yes. to be the stand-in. To be the stand-in for the yeah for the walkthrough. So so Kurt Russell walks through the scene. Then, uh, I don't remember his name, but the actor who played Jerry in Heavyweights walks through the scene, and that dude's ripped now. Good uh, for him. And then they do, I think they did this, they, they run through the scene with nobody in it. Like, they run through the camera motion with nobody in it, so they have, like, background information. Aaron Schwartz. Aaron Schwartz, that's him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good old Aaron Schwartz. His of shame, course. right? What is it? Yeah, what definitely. I've seen that. Aaron Schwartz. What Billy on the streets do? Looks nothing His shame. Like. <laughs> um, Looks nothing like Jerry from no. Heavyweights. So yeah, that's how, that. I, wa- I watched the special features, and that's how they they pull that kind of effect off. And you know, they don't build the whole movie around it. Luckily, yeah, they would wait for uh, they would wait for Captain Marvel to try to do a feat like that, de aging somebody through for basically for an entire, entire film, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did we think of Kurt Russell as Ego? I loved Kurt Russell as Ego. I think he's a highly underrated actor. Yeah. An underrated actor? Yeah. Okay. I think he was. Uh, I think he's an underrated villain. I think he's one of the early uh, shifts Marvel had towards more complex villains. Uh, he kind of. He's got a good. He's charming. He has a lot of. Uh, he's a lot. Of, he has a lot of humor. And you have a. You have moments where early on you kind of think like, wow, he is kind of like really a nice guy. Like you know, this is kind of like the perfect dad for Peter Quill because he's kind of a. He's kind of a weirdo, and. But he seems really, uh, seems really nice. But you can kind of tell something's going on there. And when he t- when he makes the turn, uh, it's a good turn. He's uh-huh. he's a he seems like a real dirtbag. Mm-hmm. And I think it uh, I think it's a good uh, overall good better villain, a big upgrade in terms of bad guy from Ronan in the first movie. Definitely better than Ronan, that's yeah. for sure. Clear I mean, motivation. Anybody could it's... be better than Ronan. Clear motivation. Is it a weird motivation? He wants to propagate himself across the universe. Yes, it's a weird it's a weird, weird motivation. But at the same but time, clear. he's a celestial being, so like, you know, you could you could make an argument for like a, a corrupt celestial wanting to take over the entire world like again. Yeah. Um, Spread his seed. He was fine. Literally all over uh, the universe. I didn't, I didn't, whatever. Clear uh, motivation. I, I will Good say that like... Good effects. I will say that like of all of the... Like of all the Marvel movies right now, mm-hmm. this was like sort of their foray into developing better villains. Yeah, and yeah, this is one of uh, one of the earlier ones where they've done that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably I don't know maybe maybe one of the first examples. I don't know what would a good example before this would be before this and Thanos. Yeah, well, you got so within like a string, you had this, you had uh, Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. We talked about how much we liked him in the past. Uh, you had Killmonger in Black Panther, mm-hmm. and um, that, all those. I mean, Killmonger came out after. Yeah, it came out in twenty eighteen, so mm-hmm. this would be down the line. But they really started 
focusing on their villains as more of an antagonist as, as opposed to just these copycut uh, cookie cutter characters that they could put in and have the bad guy beat and be done with there's a there's a there's an emotional reason for him to be in this movie that connects directly with our hero and uh, so it makes for a more rewarding uh, climax when he's defeated I think it took too long to get to the climax or to the turn it took it like I wrote down it took an hour and a half with a fake conflict that I didn't care about Overall, the course of the movie, the they were being chased by the gold people. I don't remember their names. I didn't care about that. The chosen did not did not care about that. Pretend the fake. sovereign. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember the sovereign. That's sounds yeah, you're right. The high priestess is what I. She's the one that I remember. Elizabeth Delbecky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket stole some batteries. They chased after him. You you were led to believe that that was the main conflict, and I didn't care. Well, they didn't set that. To. I know, but it took too long. To, to it, no, 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 no. It took the actual too, story. No, no, no. That is no. That is literally Indiana no. Jones stealing an idol that never no. reappears in the beginning of in the movie. No, and then getting no. out and having to go. You can and defend it all on. you want. It took too long. I'm just telling. It, took it too, didn't take too long. It did. It took an hour and a half before any real conflict that cared about showed up. That's true at all. It is because I wrote it down and I looked at the timeline. I don't think that's true at all. There's well, pretend conflict. At what point conflict. in your timeline does ego show up? That's not when the conflict begins. That's when the conflict begins. No. Because Peter's having an internal conflict about whether or not he's going to go with him. Yawn. He separates from Rocket, Yawn. which is the actual conflict of the movie for Rocket, Yawn. is his friends abandon him. You're making me bored again. You're making me angry. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm Keep angry. going. <laughs> it's not like... It, I don't care. And Rocket then, is an and annoying And then Rocket's on his own adventure yeah. with Groot. Whoa. The Ravagers show up. Now... Now that now you know Boring. the Ravagers are going through a power struggle. Boring. Yondu is unseated by Nebula. <laughs> Love Yondu and in this movie. Face. Only like Yondu. Yondu Yondu's is the best part about this movie. movie. Yondu is the only part about this movie that is consistently good from top to bottom. Yondu is great. Rocket's great. Mm. Uh, Baby Groot's fun. No. The escape, the jailbreak scene with Yondu and Rocket and Groot is one of the best scenes Marvel's filmed. That's uh, that's really one of the few scenes in this movie that I liked. Yeah. It's great. I love that part where where he knocks out the lights and his uh, arrow like goes through a bunch of guys and it's dark and the only thing that's being lit is the arrow. Yeah, that's really kick ass. Yondu's great. Fun there. Yeah. If it's got Yondu in it, it's good. He did kind of steal the show. Yeah, yes. Yondu, yeah, and it's and and see, surprisingly, it's he and Peter that have a surprising emotional connection that you didn't necessarily get a ton of in the first movie. You, you know, know what the key factor is in all of this that you're saying, Yondu. Yeah, Yondu is a, is a breakout <laughs> character in this, and it's be, it, it totally and it's builds the best part of the movie. towards his death. Which everything is, else is just average. Which is uh, great. Everything else is not necessarily average. Yeah, I think everything else. Average. I think, honestly, the last 42 minutes of this movie. 42? The last that's 42 almost an minutes hour and of this half, movie. By the way. Huh? Into this movie? That's almost an hour and a half. The last 42 movie. minutes of this movie are some of the best stuff that Marvel's ever done. That's why I said it took stuff. an hour and a half for me to get interested. The last half of that movie, yeah. the last 42 the last, minutes, yeah. Great. The third act is really good, and then you yeah. can't have that without a really good build. You which just they defended had. what I said. You said that it was boring. The opening, yes. the first hour and a half, is all the setup for a great third act. Took too long. Ugh, this guy wants to skip right to the finish. No, I want something interesting to keep my attention. Things were interesting. They weren't. It the was Ravagers a bunch of it was a bunch of whiny people whining for oh, an hour and a half oh, until something happened. You don't like the way Indiana Jones kisses, and I remember that. <laughs> I don't. He gets got a problem man. with that he weirdo. Does. He does. Anyway, oh yeah, all done. <laughs> Movie's great. Let's talk about Gamora and Nebula it's for a not minute. Great. I was thinking about spaghetti again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Talk about who now? Let's talk about Gamora and Nebula for a minute because we didn't really talk about Gamora much last week. We lamented the fact that the female character is overlooked. She had a very prominent story, so did Nebula in this movie, where uh, they have Nebula trapped, Nebula escapes, she runs the Ravagers. She wants to kill Gamora so that then she can then kill Thanos. She wants to, Nebula wants to prove that she's the best, essentially, and kill Thanos. And throughout that, we get this weird reveal that, or not really not weird reveal, but we get this reveal that underlying this hatred that she has for Gamora is just this desire to have anybody, somebody, reach out to her and show her affection because her life has been, their life has been one of being pitted against each other by an abusive, toxic father who only praised one daughter and continually pitted them against each other, basically telling the Nebula she's trash for her whole life, telling Gamora, you're great, you're awesome, you're the best. Both of them hate Thanos, but for very different reasons. And if during that time period, Gamora had shown any level of care for Nebula, there might have been a chance of saving Nebula from becoming such a monster, but didn't happen. It's an incredibly complex concept to introduce into a superhero movie. Yeah, I like the Nebula and Gamora kind of dynamic mm-hmm. that they have. Um, I wish that more time was devoted to it than some of the other things we got to see because it is better um especially knowing that thanos is setting up to become the main villain of the franchise um he is yeah we've already we already did those movies dude (laughs) (laughs) he didn't know he was thinking about spaghetti he forgot that whole damn series (laughs) oh yeah like there's 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 enough in there we could have had a, a Gamora and Nebula Thanos movie on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Thanos' whole backstory. Seeing their break away. Maybe that's a spinoff. Well. I mean, we Gamora have Joker. Dead. Can we have Thanos? Gamora dead, though. <laughs> Can we have a movie just about Thanos and his uprise? Not really. I mean, we had... Gamora dead. Gamora <laughs> came back, though. A different timeline, Gamora. Sure, but she's still alive. A, a different Gam- timeline. Gamora. Gamora is alive, as all as but not the Gamora that's developed. Yeah, not the developed. Like Gamora. basically, the Gamora we got is uh, a Gamora that hasn't done any of the stuff from the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Right. She's on Remember, her she's first on order of business one. was to kick uh, Star Lord in the gonads. No. Yeah. Okay. And then she <laughs> and then she peaced out during that deleted scene. Bye <laughs> bye. So I like what they do a lot. Uh, Nebula. Uh, Nebula is an interesting character that I feel like is almost good. <laughs> I don't love... How do I... I don't... Oh, I don't love Karen Gillan's performance as Nebula. Hot take. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't necessarily have anything to say about that. Can you explain? What do you think? It's just one-dimensional? Yeah. It's a little one-dimensional... And they didn't do – I don't think they do enough to show her – she speaks like a human who's acting badly when she's – when her – I think what she's doing is speaking like an android. Right. So it does. It comes across as a weak performance to yeah, me. Yeah, you don't if – if it's possible, the performance is too good is what you're saying. <laughs> In, it's too good in the wrong direction. Right. What we should be She's getting talking, is like so, Star Trek's data speaks yeah. like a normal person. Right. Why does she talk like she, in a deep robotic? Well, she. It's she, like her voice isn't robotic, but her manner of speaking is. Yeah. 
she talks like somebody who's had you know all of her humanity stripped away but like still can talk like a normal person because she just kind of talks like i'm really upset about everything like she kind of talks like the female version of christian bale mm-hmm. i will kill thanos mm-hmm. and this, i think it lacks emotion yeah there's yeah. not much inflection well there's emotion but there's not really inflection because she's angry she's right angry but it's like that's all she is yeah it's like that's the only emotion she can she can express i that this again all of these storylines the parts that i like are where they're humanistic and so the part about this one that i enjoy the most is after nebula had jumped across however many jumps just to find gamora to try to blow her up in the ship and they fight in the cave and then nebula's like all i ever wanted was a sister and Mm -hmm. that moment between those two is really really good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything else is just fine but those moments where they have those like come to Jesus realizations is where this movie shines the best, whether it's Nebula and Gamora or Yondu and Rocket or Yondu and Peter. Mm-hmm. And Yondu, Yondu, I'm going to say it over and over and over. You're really overselling Yondu a little no, bit. I he's mean, the best he's, part of this movie. No, you're absolutely right because he's the breakaway, and he has to break away for that final moment to really have an impact with that he has with Peter. Um, and for the moment where, that he has with Rocket. Rocket's whole struggle in this movie is a fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. right, that rocket's gonna let these these friends that he's made this family that he feels is going to leave him is going to treat him like trash and leave him the same way that the people who created him did and yondu i mean i it's it's not it's not necessarily like a a subtle thing yondu literally says you're me you know like i like yondu is an example of him from you know the ghost of his his christmas future you know i did terrible things and my friends left me and I'm not going to get redemption. So, like, if you don't fix this thing you have with your friends, you, I'm the future you're going to have, where you're going to be outcast by all your friends, and the only people who will be with you are other scumbags, and uh, you're going to die alone, essentially. And that's what Rocket doesn't want, but he's a, he, he's afraid it's going to happen, so he pushes people away intentionally, thinking it'll make things better. So when Yondu dies... It's easier to push away... Than it is be, for someone to reject. It's easier to break up with someone than to be broken up with. Yeah, you know, it's it's what it's it's that situation. And Yandu didn't necessarily want that. He did bad things and he got pushed away. Um, so when you have that final death, and gosh, the like I'm talking about those, these last moments of the movie where uh, the Ravagers show up to celebrate Yandu and to give him a proper funeral, it's emotionally very resonant because you have rocket who sees that it's not impossible to be redeemed essentially Mm -hmm. and that your his friends and family won't necessarily abandon him no matter what he does and then uh as a tiny mini moment uh craglin played by sean gunn uh the pride that he has watching the ravager funeral is so amazing like I, i i almost cry at that moment every time i watch it um, because here's a guy who's stuck by Yondu through all the years, is probably just as much a surrogate son to Yondu as Peter is, and uh, gets to see him be rewarded, essentially, like he always believed he could. Uh, Sean Gunn, great little mini moment in this movie. But anyway, like I said, Yondu is the, the kind of the emotional center for some of these storylines. I met Michael Rooker. When this movie was coming out, maybe that's why I like Yondu. I'm 100 so percent certain that's why. 
And this movie kind of. I asked. I got to ask him about it. I got. To, I got an interview with him. You and, can find that on uh, the YouTube's. Yeah, it's pretty and, great. And he's this. And Yondu kind of is pure Yondu, Michael Rooker. <laughs> like there's well, no there's no performance necessarily going on there. Like it's, uh, it's straight up him. What about Drax and Mantis? I got a lot to say about Mantis. I had a feeling you did. I quite enjoy the the dynamic between Drax and Mantis. That that is a part that is also very solid from top to bottom for me because of how they interact with each other. Yeah. Because Mantis is so emotionally stunted in a naive way and Drax is emotionally stunted in a literal way as they talked about last week he doesn't understand like metaphors and things like that so he's very literal and very to the point and doesn't very blunt. he doesn't ha- he does, he's very blunt yeah. and Mantis doesn't understand any of that and so she just goes with it and so the way they interact with each other is very funny mm-hmm. at all of the times and I quite enjoy it yeah Mantis is a very uh is a very innocent character. She's character also the strongest character in the movie, as far as like physical power. Characters, you know, and she's kind of a she's kind of a victim of abuse, essentially. You know, yeah. she's been uh, she's been uh, treated like a slave, essentially, by ego her whole life. And uh, you really see, she and I think Palm. I don't know how to say her name, so I'm really going to apologize. Clementov. Clementov. Perfect. We'll never know. say it with confidence, and we'll believe you. Uh, she uh, she brings a good vulnerability to the role. Uh, I'll say more about. Mantis in a minute. Andrew, thoughts? Lasagna is <laughs> yeah. good for me. Yeah. It's not. You though. reading that clerk's cookbook we got you or whatever it was? Yeah. Movie cookbook. I actually am. I do like it. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> um no, the uh the I the one thing that did surprise me about this movie was also that. Yeah. Was the Drax Mantis um relationship. relationship and i love i love how she was introduced and i love how they interacted eventually I, at first i thought drax was acting like kind of an asshole to her yeah but well that's just how he is that's, yeah. that's, that's he doesn't how he, even mean to yeah, do that he doesn't mean to do that and i know he doesn't mean to do that but after a while you just kind of get the gist that like, oh yeah that's just how he is and i what? I like that he's able to to in the end he's able to just accept her, not accept her, but just like you know they're able to understand each other mm-hmm. in in their own way, and I think that's very pretty between between the both of them. Yeah, they have a very, uh, a very not necessarily father daughter, but some sort of mm-hmm. some sort of interesting relationship. Yeah. Josh, I agree. That's why I brought them up. I enjoy. I mean, I can't really add anything that you three didn't. Those are the things that I like about um, that. That's why I think they're fun to watch together is because of how differently they kind of see and perceive the world is very different. It's fun. I want to bring up, we had a Reddit user submit this last week that uh, there's a lot of people who don't really care for Mantis's per, uh, uh, portrayal in this movie, not necessarily by the actress, but by uh, the writing of James Gunn, because the character is uh, in name alone, Mantis from the comics. Like, Mantis from the comics is a widely different character by in every stretch. Um, Mantis is a character in the comics that is a, a human. She's half Korean, half, I think, just English or something. Um, she's also taken by aliens, raised to be like a super warrior. This is a character that's capable of – she apparently at one time it beats Thor and Vision in the same fight. She battles Thanos to a stalemate so much so that Thanos decides it's not even worth fighting her. This is a character that uh, was the first, quote-unquote, Asian-American to become an Avenger. So 
there's a lot of people that don't like that her portrayal in this movie is essentially a weak, fragile, for the most part, not that powerful character. Like, she has a lot of power in her, but essentially it would be like if Superman, they made a movie with Superman, but his only superpower was that he could still jump really high. Like, they take away all of her strength, her telekinesis. Like, basically, in the comics, uh, Mantis is capable of communicating telepathically with essentially anybody in the galaxy, provided that she's met them once. She can link up with anybody she wants to across the universe. And so they've really stripped her of everything that makes her, like, an incredible fighter and superhero from the comics and created a totally different character but just named it Mantis. Um, So there's a lot of people that have a problem with that. Does that seem like it would be a problem for you guys? Would you be, uh, if if they, under a similar circumstance, where a character had the same name as a character you knew from a comic book or a book, but featured almost none of the character or none of the abilities? Who's to say they won't? Like, one of the things that Marvel does is, I would argue that to the general masses, nobody knows who Mantis is. No, you're absolutely right. So who's to say they're not building her up? Maybe they, like... And just playing devil's advocate, let's say that in this story, they have intent on bringing her back. Like, I don't feel like James Gunn would create a character and, like, strip it naked of everything and and, and create something new. I feel like there are essence of that. But if we go through this story, she's been stunted by Mm -hmm. ego her entire life. Maybe she doesn't know at this moment all of that she's capable of. She's in the... Uh, she's Infinity War in an endgame and she gets stronger she will likely be a part of the third movie who's to say that she won't be continually getting stronger as she learns and develops more like you can't just throw everybody in their full power that gives them no growth and development yeah I think people can get frustrated with uh, an origin story when you're already very familiar with the story and the character Mm -hmm. it's hard to watch Something – the origin story is not the best part of a hero usually. Yeah, you want to see them – well, yeah, but you want to see them in their peak. Right. That's what people want. So, yeah, if they are tr- building her up to be her uh, peak self, then that has to come in time just like the rest of the Guardians are all in their origin stages. Even after two movies, yeah. two uh, of their franchise movies, they're still learning to be a family together. Now, in a similar situation, I don't have like a specific example, but the general gist is there. I try to think of it two ways. Like I do understand the frustration with seeing a a character that you enjoy be something less than what you know them to be. Mm -hmm. But I think you also do have to be willing to accept that maybe there's uh, more story to come and also that this is a different interpretation yeah of that work you can't you can't expect adaptations to always be exactly like the source material and like people look at have, guardians of the galaxy people as a have whole got Those to get original. over that no no it's, and it's the same with any book adaptation to movie like they left out this well that yeah, yeah get over it because you can't put it in two hours yeah, it's a situation where... It doesn't take away... Mantis not being what, what anyone 
wants it to be doesn't take away from what that character is. No, no, no. Don't let it. Essentially, it's a different character. Right. Like, yeah, like think of it a different up. character. It's a different character, want. but she has the same name. And it's it's a situation where when I first read it, I went, yeah, but the thing is, Drax is a guy who has like beaten up Thanos in the comics, and he's nowhere near that strong in the right. movies. You know, Star Lord's dad is not ego in the comics. Star Lord's dad is a totally different guy and totally different type of story. And Ego is a totally different character. He's not a celestial in the comics. Like these things have been changed. And if anything, James Gunn may have done, had, may have made the most changes with his films in terms of of, of these types of movies. Uh, he's been given maybe the most creative control of any director to take take a, a take over a franchise for Marvel. There's a certain amount of you just kind of have to take what you're given and hope that it, it improves. If you're a fan of Mantis, maybe she'll get better. We'll, we'll see. I, I kind of have my doubts. I, she's not really the main focus of, right. of, of these franchises. No, she's not a core member of the group. But we really. saw how much he did with Groot, how much he, or not Groot, excuse me, how much he did with Rocket, how much he did with Peter Quill, how much he did with Gamora and Nebula in these last two movies, how much he did with Yondu. Maybe there's hope that a third movie, Mantis gets a little bit of shine, gets a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, they can uh, have this movie be set at any point, really that they want they could have a these characters could have grown a lot from guardians volume two or the end of avengers endgame to now so well and i argue again overall if you look at this movie um mantis is the strongest character in this movie as far as physical power she single-handedly is able to put an angry ego at full planet stage down long enough to distract them she's able to use her powers to overcome him to where they can take over. Uh-huh. In Infinity War, she does the same, or Endgame, she does the same thing where she jumps on Thanos and is able to um, subdue, him. subdue him long enough for these people. It just, again, single-handedly is able to do this. Now, I will say that if people are frustrated because of because of the fact that she's like the first Korean-Asian-focused character and they kind of like stripped her down Especially after the controversy that Doctor Strange brought in, and they see this as another, like, why are you continuing to do this to the characters that represent this culture? Mm-hmm. That I understand. Yeah, That I a, definitely understand. There's definitely an element of that in this article here where uh, she's a, you know, she's a Korean-born American. She's the first Asian Avenger, essentially. I mean, she, she's, she gets alien powers, essentially, but this movie doesn't really present her as being Asian. No. She's, she's an alien who yep. is played by an Asian actress. Right. So I, I can kind of understand that there's some, there's uh, elements of this article where they talk about how she's sort of belittled and 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 made to look kind of uh, naive and uh, and I, I understand that to an extent but as again I feel like it serves the story that's being told whether or not that's the exact story you want to see told that's a different that that's a, that's that's its own conversation yeah. but on the merits of the movie as it stands I think that she serves an important role within the movie. So, oh yeah. Anyway, so I, sorry we went on a little long about Mantis there, no, but that was something right. that uh, right. that was something a Reddit user sent it to us last week, and uh, thought it might be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I agree. I I'm always glad to see some people submit some stuff for us. Um, we do need to start wrapping up this end of the conversation though, so I'll put out a, a all call for any last tidbits or anything else that wanted that you guys wanted to talk about before we kind of. Transition toward this, the last part of the show. How did Howard the Duck get in? Howard the Duck! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. cameo. Towards yeah. the beginning of the movie, Yondu's at a space brothel. Yeah. And uh, Howard the Duck's there, played by Seth Green, making his return from the 
post credits of yeah. Guardians one. It, it and there was a lot of uh, I will say there was a lot of post credit scenes during this film as well. Yeah, there's four. There was four. That's and, too many. And a sneak peek. Yeah, and, I, and a, a surprise appearance by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. Always yeah. appreciate an appearance by Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum can can show up in any movie. Oh, well, I want to say I had, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like the soundtrack as much as the first one. But okay. I, I have it. actually grown to like this soundtrack a lot because I've, I've listened to the songs on their own. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Cat Stevens or Mr. Blue Sky or uh, uh, Jay and the Americans that plays while uh, while Yondu's escaping. Uh, and I actually really dig this soundtrack. I didn't necessarily dig it when I was watching because I was a lot less familiar with the songs. But it really turned me on to some pretty cool That Cat Stevens song at that moment mm, hits you right in the heart. It really oh, yeah. does. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't think it's as good as the first soundtrack. It's not. Nope. But it's good. But it is fine. And that is an example of where I feel like there was a little bit of trying too hardness in there. Yeah, the first one's really big hits, and the second one's kind of like deep cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah really is. I wanted to talk about... Um, I think that this movie is overall, with the exception of David, considered one of Marvel's weaker movies. Ooh, wrong, sir. I, Super wrong. I don't, I don't, what do you base that on? Uh, many, uh... This one, not you. No. Many uh, people's <laughs> conversations. Many yeah. of people who have said... Everybody's saying. Everybody's yeah, saying is not as great. All your friends who think Overall, I feel so like awesome. when it came out, I just don't feel like people enjoyed it as much. I could be wrong. That was a few years ago, and I don't fully remember. I've I, seen many movies since then, but I, I think you're wrong. I could be. I do. That's very. I could be. In terms of the whole uh, MCU, yeah, I think weaker movies are Look, more along the lines of Iron Man sequels, concede, and yeah. I will concede that most people probably put Hulk. it towards the middle of the pack. I would. I don't think probably lower middle is where I would put it. But I do want to talk. I want to pose the argument of if they're looking, if Marvel was looking before they had all their controversy with James Gunn. Uh, their self-inflicted controversy, not Marvel's, but Disney's. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were looking to make these the next main focus and kind of drive away from the Avengers and move on to the Guardians, I would say there's an argument that this movie would be the Age of Ultron of this franchise, where a lot of people don't really consider Age of Ultron that good, but if you look at what it did, it set up so much for the future of the Avengers group and that franchise and the rest of the other franchise, and I feel like the the character building and mm-hmm. all of those issues that they have with each other and how they handle that and how they write that sets it up to really move forward a lot of story elements. And I feel like that could be something that we look it's back and go. almost like the second movie in a planned trilogy is treated like, like a, a three-act structure. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what an idea that people forget about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Wait for the story to finish. Yeah. I still think Age of Ultron is weak, but Age of Ultron is kind of it, it does have it does set up a lot. It is weak, but like we yeah, like we talked about when we did Age of Ultron, you can go back and watch that, listen to that episode. It does a lot to set up in terms of the story, and maybe that's not necessarily what you're looking for in a movie. But that's what you get, and that's a you know. But there is also some stuff to find. There's you know in in almost any movie, in almost every movie, there's something that I like. <laughs> Tried it. I was like, cool. I was like, I was making kind of a generalization there. In almost every Marvel movie, there's something that you can find to like. There's very few that are just like so. Do- there's very few that are just dog crap. Like it's like I don't necessarily love this movie, but I really like this part, or I really like this element. I like this idea, but you know. Anyway, 
Yeah, it's I good you all... you good you amended that because there are some other non-Marvel movies that are definitely dog crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. like I, you know there are definitely movies that are just bad. But yeah. I think that as as long as we're talking about the MCU as it is, you can find something to like in almost everything. My wife particularly uh, has found something to enjoy about Thor: The Dark World. We'll talk about that someday. I assume we will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I yeah I want to talk about I have some other fun questions I want to ask in in the future. So are we done with yeah, I think with so. this with the plot German? Okay, sure. Well then, let's go ahead and um, let's get the your your numbers out of the way. Okay. So uh, you know we've talked about this before. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two debuted uh, May fifth. Whoa, table almost fell. Hello, hey, sorry audio listeners. Almost lost the table here. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 debuted the weekend of May 5th, 2017, so not that long ago, and it finished number one with a three-day opening total of $146.5 million, which is a really good opening weekend. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, a lot of also in the yeah. top ten that weekend. Open nothing this. probably that mattered. Well, a few things, but nothing that was going to beat it. Uh, Fate of the Furious was in its fourth mm-hmm, week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was number two. That brought in 8.5. So, I mean, so that's a big thing. If you look at the difference there between one and two it's a massive massive gap you have 146 million next highest eight <laughs> so guardians of the galaxy wow. had a large percentage of the That's of the market crazy. that we literally yeah. just took a shit on the competition yeah now fate of the fears like i said is in its fourth week it's next highest competitors in its sixth week that was boss baby oh my gosh oscar uh <laughs> did it win no oscar nominated boss, boss baby. baby which brought in 5.9 uh how to be a latin lover was in its second weekend. You guys what remember this movie? movie? I remember vaguely. It, it brought in 5.1. Did you guys see this? This had Salma no, Hayek in no, it. I did That's not all see I can it. say about it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast came in at number five. It was in its eighth weekend. Uh, that movie did really well. Yes, uh, it brought, did. brought in five million. Uh, the Circle with Emma, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Emma Watson and, and Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Right. So that was uh, that actually it was is in its second weekend. Very watchable. And, yeah, uh, but read 3. the book. 9. But read the book. Read the book first and then see the movie. That brought in 3.9. It'll make the movie better. Great book. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. I don't remember this movie at all, but it had a four-week domestic release. Uh, Bahubali 2. <laughs> what? Is that a... Bahubali 2, the conclusion, uh, produced by Great India Films. Okay. A, a Bollywood action film, or just maybe regular okay. Bollywood film. <laughs> it's called Bali, Bahubali 2, the conclusion. I looked that up to make sure. Made $3.4 million. Wow. Uh, in its second weekend, and that's pretty good for a domestic movie, an Indian film. Uh, yeah. So, at number eight, I really like this film. It's called Gifted with Chris Evans. Oh, sure. I didn't watch that, but I yeah, and, it's on uh, my radar. It's a it made two million. It's a fun movie. It's not a big. It's not necessarily a big, big, huge film, but it's a it's a good uh, it's a good little movie for uh, Chris Evans and the little girl in that's fantastic. All right, all right. She's really good. Um, and then coming in at number nine, Smurf the Smurfs the Lost Village. <laughs> Oh, no, made no, 1.8 no, no, in its no. fifth week now that might be the good Smurfs movie I don't know there's one that actually has good reviews It's the really? this one's the one that's purely animated were that doesn't have Neil Patrick oh. Harris or anything were the Smurfs ever good? well surely <laughs> the one with Neil Patrick Harris is the good one right? I don't think so oh no <laughs> pretty sure the TV show was good yeah the Smurfs TV show might oh, be the, the, the best element of the Smurfs the this is the one that was a, a, just a totally animated film no okay. live action component they didn't go to real, real world I hate hate movies that do that Look, we're you cartoon characters, and now we're in the real world. You don't like the mix? No. The live-action animated mix? No, it has never once been good. All right. Scooby-Doo. That's not good. What Scooby-Doo's about Space great. Jam? Space Jam is good, but that's the real world going to the cartoons. <laughs> that I did not expect, and you're not wrong. <laughs> 
That's totally okay. Different. I can't fight and that. And then coming in number ten is Going in Style, which was in its fifth week and made one point eight million dollars. So we had three sequels in, in the top ten that okay. weekend: Guardians, Fate, and Bahu Bali. Wow. Uh, Guardians Volume Two went to go on to make three hundred eighty-nine million dollars over its twenty-week run in the United States. It added $470 million overseas to bring its worldwide total to $863.7 million. At $389.8 domestic, that's the fourth highest grossing movie of 2019. In the United States. I'm sorry, yeah, in 2017. And then the uh, eighth highest worldwide. Number one in both those categories was Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, um, then you have Beauty and the Beast. That movie Fate that I keep being told that no one likes. <laughs> and then um, also coming out that year was both uh, Wonder Woman, Thor: Ragnarok, and Spider-Man: Homecoming. That's good like year, both, but I had before. good year. So a lot of superhero movies that year. All good um, movies. You also too. had uh, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, Despicable Me Three. Despicable Me Three. Not good. Not good, but it's on there. Uh, it's the sixth highest grossing movie uh, for a movie released in May. Uh, Boring, but okay. And it's the tenth highest grossing movie uh, domestically for the MCU, eleventh uh, worldwide. Wow. Um, compared to its first movie, it improved financially. As a total, the franchise has brought in one point six billion dollars. Just the Guardians movies. The Guardians two made more than Guardians one. Guardians two made more than Guardians one, improved by about forty two million dollars. Nice. Or fifty six million dollars. Excuse me, is forty two internationally. Sick. Um. So it improved at the box office, but did it improve at the critics' desk? That's the next thing to figure out. Did you win that too? Did I? I don't know. Who no, did? I think uh, I think, I think Andrew he, won. Andrew last did. Week. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Oh good. So Andrew he's not did. prepared. <laughs> Still thinking about spaghetti over there. <laughs> I am. What kind of spaghetti? <sighs> spaghetti with meatballs. Don't, don't distract Look up the Rotten Tomato score. Don't listen to me. Yeah, don't listen. Don't to him. Spaghetti, spaghetti and meatballs like is like the only kind really to have, though. Man, I had spaghetti earlier today. I had some chili on top. of I it. I thought you had chili. chili. I did. You put that chili on top. It's Cincinnati style. Spaghetti. But then it's called spaghetti. This chili's st- no. You, you, do they put you put well, beans, noodles in spaghetti, is what's spaghetti. beans in your chili? Yeah. <laughs> the noodles are what's the spaghetti? It's just meat. Otherwise, I don't like beans. Yeah, that's chili. Nah. Yeah. You got to get it both. Cincinnati no, style, no, baby. No beans. You put First of all, we don't do anything Ohio-based. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Listen, put that spaghetti down, put that chili on top. You I've put, never in you my put life heard cheese, cheese on top of that, some I onions, have, some hot sauce, and some Fritos on top. I have had... You what, you're going to change your life. I mean, Fritos I like a Frito... Top ch- on top of spaghetti noodles? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. What are you doing? Spaghetti, chili, cheese, onion, hot sauce... Fritos on top. That Mix sounds amazing. I'm yeah. telling you. Take out the noodles. No, that sounds like you're going to have to go to the bathroom. That does you sound like You definitely that. do. I like a good lie. Frito chili pie. That's good. That's good. I don't have noodles in it, though. I've had chili Just give it a shot. It's good. Noodles. You like you like meat sauce on your spaghetti? Um, you got it. Oh, yeah, I like meat sauce on my spaghetti. We're just talking about food right now. What's the difference? All right, go ahead. What chili powder? It's good. All right. Did you got you got this? I got it. We vamped, so you go ahead now. All right, so. We get to guess now. What do you get? What do you guess? Uh, I guess 82. 75. Shoot. I'm going to guess 81. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> 82, 75, yeah, 81? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's action-packed plot, dazzling visuals, and irreverent humor add to a sequel that's almost as fun, if not if not quite as thrillingly, thrillingly fresh, as its predecessor. I'll keep my 82. 82? Yeah. 85. Oh, 
shoot, we're going to be right on top of each other here. I'm going right to go with 80. Right on the money. I'm going to go with 80 even. Oh, 80 okay. even. One of you is very close. Well, we are all have to be very close, right? <laughs> you would think. You are all, yeah. Theoretically. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, Tomei... Uh, <laughs> score. <laughs> Jeez. The, the score... Is eighty four percent? Eighty four percent. So that's too high. Garrett's closest, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Gross. Garrett's closest by one. Where's the audience? The audience score was eighty seven. Oh, right? there you go. All I right, totally cool. screwed up. I feel like those are both. Hey, you, you know, think? <laughs> this is a this is a situation like last week where uh, it did go down in both categories, but mm-hmm. the audience and the critics are pretty uh, agreed on this. Last week, I believe it was like ninety and ninety two or something like that. This week we have 84 and 87. So, like, this is a movie where audience and critics agree. This is a, uh, well, they agree on what they think. They think it's either really good or not as good as the, the, not as good as the first. But, anyway, that's cool. Yeah. I want to make it clear. I enjoyed the movies. But, like, again, going didn't back to. Didn't seem like no, it. No, no, going back to the first one, the first one did not hold up to my expectations no, of what true. I remember. And this I one, I didn't like as much as the first one. And it also fell hard upon my rewatch. Yeah. I just don't think these movies have the same kind of standing power. They're very good, but I just don't think that they have that same kind of See, thing enough, that I look for. Really enough, I feel like these two these two specifically might have the most staying power just because they're the least tied up in the Avengers stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, 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 the this movie specifically, Volume 2, has nothing to do with, like, Infinity Stones right. or Thanos, really, like, only in, like, name mention. And, like, like so, like, it's the most... Uh, out of the the overall arc of the MCU that you can get, but the, but anyway, but the point, but like I said, well, I mean, like when when it comes to when it comes to that, when we're talking about staying power, it's it's like they're just making the movies just to, just to make it. They're not making something that's memorable. And I making totally it, disagree. They're, with they're the, making it purely for the fans. We thought, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but like to make to make something that's that has impact like that. To, to have something that has impact and you're able to you're able to like rewatch it over and over again. I mean, to fans, that's great, but to people who are not really fans of the MCU, it's just like, eh, you know, you just kind of get that meh factor. I mean, there's what you're saying is not wrong, but I don't think that that Volume Two is necessarily lacking in some sort of depth that you can find. We talked about how much we like, uh, you know, specifically the third act of this movie, basically from the point where Rocket and Yandu get to ego. From then on, we all talk about how emotionally resonant it is, and there's a real uh, uh, story there that James Gunn has sort of capti- cultivated. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I feel like if you look at this one in a vacuum, if you want to look at the Marvel movies as a whole, there's an element of you know appe- appealing to fans and going for big spectacle, which is you know could be considered a bad thing, I suppose, but. You look at it, I think there's a real cinematic value to this movie because it takes that idea we've seen a bunch of times tried to be done in blockbuster movies, which is family. There's one specific franchise. It's all about family. And this film, I feel like, handles that in a more mature way at times than uh, most movies ever get around to to even addressing. I think this is... I think this one is... These two movies together are have a, an element of rewatchability. Uh, that said, if you rewatch them too much, anything is going to get numb to you. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I, I saw on Twitter a, a while back 
people were talking about, you know, there's this big thing in in the film industry conversation right now about these kind of older generation classic filmmakers uh, throwing some shade at Marvel Mm -hmm. films. Yeah. And I saw Twitter, people were throwing out their ideas of which Marvel movies would you point to to show them they're wrong, basically. Like, Mm. if Martin Scorsese says that um, Marvel movies aren't cinema, which he's uh, elaborated on a little more since what is since this that news? happened, I've never heard of it before. Why like, do you which, live in the nineteenth century? <laughs> but like, which Marvel movies would you say? I don't know. This one is different from the pack. Yeah, and Guardians Two is one of the ones I would put on my list of of an example of not a, not your typical popcorn summer blockbuster Marvel mm-hmm. film. There is depth to because. It. I will then to, to to build on what you said. Almost any movie, well, a lot of movies that uh, are that type of thing that Scorsese describes, cinema uh-huh. movies that sort of challenge you and have things that yes. you know uh, push you in different directions. Uh, you know, they might be kind of dull at times. Yeah, you know? a lot of the yeah, yeah, they might be dull at times, and but uh, by the end you go, oh my gosh, a lot of the greatest movies up, of all time are kind of boring. <laughs> they're kind of boring, and you get but you get to that ending and you go, oh my gosh, it's so worth it. And that's what Garrett describes here: is a movie that's boring in the middle. And sometimes they're movies that you <laughs> would never, <laughs> you may never watch that movie again, but you'll be you'll it will stay with you. You know, there's a there's a certain amount of <clears throat> equity you have to build up with an audience over the course of a movie, and then you reward that equity at the end. And uh, this movie, I feel like, does it. I think that, I don't know, you know, we could have a conversation and a whole podcast about not not, not just the MCU, but the, the current state of the blockbuster film and whether or not it qualifies as cinema, whether or not, you right. know, what qualifies as cinema and what doesn't. It's a very complex conversation to have. And I uh, What an idea for a bonus episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Um, my fun thing I wanted to ask everybody was this episode is going to come out the day before Disney Plus releases, Disney's major streaming service, right? That's true. So I wanted to put everyone on the spot, kind of, and ask what are, like, I don't know, two or three of the first things that you want to watch, whether it's one of the brand new series we've heard of, whether it's a classic Disney film that you haven't seen in 10 years, or, like, one of the old Disney TV shows that has been unavailable forever, just what are some of the things you are most excited to dive into on day one? Where is your gonna? Where are you gonna put that cursor first? I'm gonna say it first because it's gonna be a general consensus. Go ahead. The Mandalorian, correct? It's yeah. gonna be the one of the first things that I watch. Um, and then I, I honestly really enjoyed growing up the Gargoyles TV show. Uh, yeah. I had a Gargoyles like there was. I don't remember much about the game, but there was a game. It came with a VHS. And you played the game along with oh, the VHS. Oh, I had that. I had that. Yeah, and I, I don't remember the movie itself. It came yeah. along with the, uh, the the. It was some paid for TV movie yeah, version. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, I would like to watch those again to see if if they stand up. And then like some of the so a lot of the Pixar movies because as much as I love Pixar movies, I haven't seen all of them. So oh, yeah, yeah. go through some of the Pixar movies. Yeah, it's easy to get behind on Pixar's. Yeah. I'm gonna say because I've seen all. I, I mean, I. <laughs> Seen all the MCU and I have it. I have it at my ready. Uh, yeah, anything in the MCU would be a, 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 waste. a boring pick. Yeah, Mandalorian. You said is good. I'm gonna go with. Uh, they're gonna put a lot of old classic uh, cartoons on. So I'm gonna say 
uh, the original DuckTales. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. Or uh, they're also putting on the original, uh, like, the 90s Spider-Man. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, series. my God. Really? The 90s Spider-Man and the 90s X-Men. I'd be really interested yeah. to see how those hold up. Yeah. Um, 90s X-Men. Beyond that, oh, you know, beyond that, uh, I'm really interested in that uh, Jeff Goldblum's version of the world show or whatever. Oh, what is yeah. it? I don't remember the title exactly. Jeff Goldblum's world. Or yeah. The world according to Goldblum. That's yeah. It, that yeah. looks like a lot of fun. Yep. I'm really looking forward to getting caught up with The Simpsons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 right, 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 right. So good, good answer. I want to. I've kind of been out of the Simpsons loop since probably ever. I really don't know when the last time I've actually watched a decent season, and I want to get caught up with it. So that's in my that's in my plans. What about you? John? Anything else? So what? you only named one thing. And you you want to watch else? the Simpsons? That I mean, you didn't know I mean, what else is going to be on Disney Plus. <laughs> A lot of stuff planned to go on there. Uh, Kick back and watch the Black Cauldron. There are you s- <laughs> escape from which mountain? <laughs> there, there are. <laughs> this smart is a, house. There's a couple of there's a couple of Pixar movies that I haven't seen yet, and I'd really like to watch. Yeah, like Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> which ones? Uh, Out of curiosity, have you not seen yet? I've not seen Monsters University. I've not seen oh, Brave. Okay. I'd like to see Brave. No, okay. Right. Okay. Um, now Brave was better the second time I watched it. Okay. Because I expected a totally different film, and then I and so when I watched it the second time, it was a lot better. But I feel it. I interrupted you. No, I was just gonna say, what about you, Josh? <laughs> Technically not, but okay. Uh, that was all I was gonna do. I was gonna pitch to Josh. I thought you were gonna still oh, talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm gonna say is, is everybody that, let everybody speak. The, the only thing I'm gonna say is, is that like I feel like as soon as it opens up, I feel like I'm gonna be overwhelmed. With sure. how much option you're going to have. Here's my question for you. You paid for that yet? Negative. Yeah, so you, then you're not going to be overwhelmed. You can't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. going to do it on day one? Probably not on day one. Yeah, you weaken. Are you? Hey, hey, hey. Try, but the thing I is, I was be... wanting to download the app for my yeah. Xbox, and it's not available. It's not. I don't think they're going to release that until I don't day think one. the app is released till Tuesday. So that's my kind of annoyance there. Well, I but pre-ordered not, it, so screw all y'all. Yet. I need to do that. <laughs> I pre-ordered it for a full year. <laughs> And I'm just going to steal yours. And you're just going to steal my password. I don't have it yet is because I want to get the Hulu bundle. Could you do that? Oh no, you can't pre-order the Hulu bundle. So that's what I—that's why I was waiting because I want to get that Hulu bundle. That makes sense. Um, That's a good deal. Hulu, and I don't want to pay for it, or I don't want to. Basically, they're giving you a chance to basically get Hulu for like half off. A little bit cheaper, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm looking. (laughs) Josh just smashed his computer. Make sure I didn't stop. Okay, no, we're still recording. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of Disney Plus originals I'm looking forward to. Uh, obviously, the Mandalorian got mentioned. The Star Wars. Um, there's one called uh, the Imagineering Story. Ooh, yes, That's yes, a yes, docu series, yes. kind of about uh, how Disney World is run mm-hmm. and the makings of a theme park and all that. And it looks really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard good things about that. Actually, I have too. I'm excited to try that. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a um, kind of reality show hosted by Kristen Bell where she reunites. Uh, high school theater departments That's like I, as, yeah, heard a decade that. plus later and has them restage the musical that they did in high school that sounds hilarious it sounds weird and awkward and funny and yes awesome. it sounds all those things and Kristen Bell's great so yeah um all the Marvel stuff blah blah um there's also this Christmas movie with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader oh yes that oh, yeah, looks yeah, hilarious yeah. Noel. Perfect. Noel. That's oh. <laughs> uh and then like I, I said earlier when you guys were talking, there's a there's like a laundry list of Disney Channel original movies I want to revisit. Smart House. Um, um, just this, Smart House. No, it. just Smart House. No. The, I, I loved the Xenon movies yeah, when right, I was right. growing up. Uh, Never saw the Luck of the Irish. 
that one? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's the same that kid one. from Smart House. Is it uh, the same kid? Yeah, I don't think I knew, noticed bit. that when I was. Uh, uh, don't look under the bed. Is that what it's called? Oh, the boogeyman. Uh, that sounds possible. Uh, punks. Some other one. I have a list. Of I liked Alley Cat Strike a lot. Alley Cat Strike's a good one. It's got the kid from my cousin Skeeter in it. Yeah, it's got Robert Rashad. That's his name. And uh, also Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah, very young Kaylee. Oh Cuoco. wow. Um, let's Pre, see here. Uh, ten simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. Eighteen simple. Oh, the even Stevens many, movie. How many rules is it? Eight simple rules. Eight simple rules. <laughs> what, what, Cheetah ten, Girls. Eight. Oh, Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Sisters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cadet Kelly, remember that one? Oh, boy, do I. Halloween Town and its sequel. Oh, man. That's where uh, Harry Potter lives? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just see. Uh, Quince. They had the... Oh, right, right, right. That's the same girl from Halloween Town. Why do you know all of the cross... I just remember <laughs> the cross the stuff. I remember actors. they had like a... They had like... When they would get like a young actor in these movies, they would like hold on to him and put him in future movies. Brink? Remember Brink? Brink, Eric Van Dutton. Uh, lead, Why are you encyclopedia of Disney Channel original I movies? Okay, so I, that's, the Power Rangers is that's in that just movie. something. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all that stuff, and of course everything else. So we're um, approaching the end of the year rapidly. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think we're going to to not pick a movie. Correct. At the end of this episode, and yeah. you'll just have to be surprised with right. whatever we do next. Okay. Because we got some, we have some surprises coming up, yeah. and some uh, just general fun end of the year stuff as we approach, um, some stuff. I don't want to say. Yeah. So that's that. Yep. So we'll be back next week with something. Yep. You'll just have to subscribe TV. to us online to find out. Uh, so many sequels dot com will take you to our anchor page where you can see all the places you can find our show and subscribe at your favorite one. You can also download the Sounds Tooth app for free. On the uh, Apple, what is it called? App Store? Apple Store. Yeah. The Apple Store. Apple App Store. Apple App Store or uh, Google Play. Google Play. And listen to our show as well as a bunch of other great locally produced podcasts here in Tulsa. Yep. And that's that. Um, com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. We're all yep. there. Until next time. Can you get this? Can you get the app on uh, my Zune? <laughs> Uh, no. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. That's what you should have. Oh. I was thinking of that, but I wanted to throw it in some reference. Poppins, y'all.